Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. is Monday, March 20th, 2023. This is Shannon. Tonight I am here with Natalia, Kristen, and Brooke. And we are talking about books set in small towns. We've done this at least once before, so definitely look back at our episode list if you want more small town recommendations. So we will get started with the housekeeping information. Then I will start us off followed by Kristen, Brooke, and lastly, Natalia. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the book bistro podcast at gmail.com. My first book tonight is Bet on It. This is a contemporary romance by Jody Slaughter. This is the first Jody Slaughter book that I've read, although I definitely want to go back and check out her backlist after reading this one. So this is set in Greenbelt, South Carolina. It's one of those small towns with like a lot of history and quirky residents. It's one of the things that I loved most about this book was just all of the townspeople and the way that they added sort of an extra layer of richness to the story. Before I get into the actual plot, I do want to say that there is some discussion here of childhood childhood trauma and mental health difficulties. So be aware of that if that's something that is difficult for you. Our heroine is Asia Evans. And when we first meet her, she is having a panic attack in a supermarket. It's just a few minutes before the store closes and she's not really sure how she's going to manage to get all of her groceries together, get checked out and manage to get out the door before the store closes. And she's just really, really struggling. What we don't know right away, but come to know as the story goes on, is that anxiety is a big part of Asia's life. And although she has some coping strategies that she uses, none of them are as successful as she would like. So she lives in Greenbelt. She wanted to kind of get away from her family. She thought that this might help kind of kickstart her to deal with some of her issues in a different way, but it hasn't really worked the way she, she intended it to. And so she doesn't really have a lot of friends. She goes on Wednesdays and plays bingo, but other than that, she's pretty solitary. 
when she arrives at bingo after this whole panic attack, like the next couple of days, she is sitting next to this older woman who is kind of her like friend at bingo. You know, they, they chat, they don't know a ton about each other's like real lives outside of the space, but they do get along really well when they're together. And this woman has suffered a fall and her grandson is in town to help take care of her. And as soon as Asia lays eyes on Walker, who is called Wally, she realizes that this is a man that kind of talked her down from her panic attack in the supermarket. She's very, very embarrassed by this. She never wants people to see her in a vulnerable position. And so she's really just wishing that like this guy would go away. As you can imagine, since we're talking about a romance, these two do end up striking up a relationship. At first, it's a little tense, like neither of them is really sure how this is going to go. They're both dealing with a lot of mental health related stuff. Um, You know, life just hasn't been easy for these two. And they're not sure if they can trust in each other enough to really like let go and fall into this relationship. But as the book goes on, they definitely begin to do that. And it's just a really nice thing to see them letting down their guard like bit by bit by bit. Um, it's not a super fast process. I felt like the author did a great job of showing the ways in which mental health affects people and that, you know, everything's not just fixed in a day because you want it to be. There are so many things that I loved about this. And if you've never read a Jody Slaughter book, which I hadn't until this one, I highly recommend you give her stuff a try. This one is Bet on It. And again, it's by Jody Slaughter. I will definitely be adding this to my TBR. Yes. My first book this evening is called The Getaway. Lake in the Clouds, book one by Emily March. Um, and that is spelled M-A-R-C-H, just like the month. This book actually starts out in Texas. Um, this book is about the Prentice family. And Genevieve Prentice is the mother of four children, two boys and two girls. And at a very young age, her husband passes away and she is left to raise these four children by herself. Her oldest son um, was 12 years old when his father passed away. And so he kind of took on the role of man of the house. Um, but Genevieve, you know, dedicated herself to raising these four children and, you know, making sure they were well-rounded, um, civil people. (laughs) And, you know, now they're all grown and, you know, starting families of their own or, you know, just kind of scattered to the wind. They're all over. Um, but something has kind of torn this family apart um and it it definitely has it well it it is a family matter that has kind of put a lot of um 
stress on their family bond. And Genevieve is getting ready for Thanksgiving. And one by one, her children call her to tell them they can't make it. Oh. And this just breaks Genevieve's heart because her thing is holidays. She goes all out for every holiday, not just Thanksgiving and Christmas, but Fourth of July, St. Patrick's Day, Halloween, everything. I want to join that family. I know, right? (laughs) And so this is just breaking her heart. And she finally says, you know what? To hell with it. I'm done. (laughs) And she says, if you all want to act like children, I'm, I'm done. I raised you once. I'm done. And she decides that she is going to put her house on the market. And she is going to move to Lake in the Clouds, Colorado, and remodel this waterfront lodge and cabins with her sister, Helen. And so she she just sells everything. She's like, I don't want anything from this house. Give it to an estate sales company, sell it, sell the house. I don't want any of it. And this means all of her fine china, all of her decorations, her dining room table and chairs, which she has always loved, just everything. And her kids are shocked. Um, she gathers them all together in one house and pretty much tells them, this is what I've decided and I don't care if you don't like it, get over it, I'm done. So she goes, And her and her sister begin to renovate this lodge. And meanwhile, her oldest son, Jake, he has become a very successful businessman. He um, works for a design company. And, you know, he's worked his way through and, and made a very good living for himself. But becoming what he considers the man of the house at a very young age and kind of um, in his mind, helping raise his younger siblings, it has stressed him out all the time. And he's just become this ever present problem solver. And he feels like he's failed his family because he can't solve the problem that's put so much stress on them. And all of this. And his mom pretty much tells him during this gathering, you know, you're not your father. It's time you figured out who you really are. And Jake's work has become very stressful. His boss is making him do a lot of layoffs. And these, even though he has, you know, gone over the books and ran the numbers. And you know, could cut the layoffs down. His boss is like, no, we have to get rid of this many people. And Jake is just not okay with this. So he decides that he is now done. And it is time for him to go out there and figure out who he really is. And if this is the type of life he really wants to be living. So instead of firing one of the people he's supposed to fire, He brings her into his office and essentially says, I quit. Here's my job. It's yours. (laughs) He leaves. Um, 
in a previous set of layoffs, he had to lay off a very, um, a very, very good designer, but he also helped her find another job. And she plays a, a role in his life as well coming into this. Um, this does turn into a bit of a romance. Um, Jake ends up in Lake in the Clouds as well. He follows his mom there. And her and her sister are getting ready to go off on a Sound of Music tour. Um, this is something they've always wanted to do. So they've hired a contractor for the lodge. And now they're going to jet off to do this tour. And right before they leave, Jake shows up. And his mom is kind of irritated with him. But she's like, I don't care. I'm going on a trip. I told you I was done. I'm done. Um and all of these people play such a big part in each other's story. Um, I will say later on in this book, there is an instance of domestic violence. We don't see the act, but we see the results of it. Um, one of Jake's sisters is, is has issues in her marriage, and it's she shows up as well um it it turns out okay but i just want to put that out there that there is an instance of that even though we don't see it actually take place um but this family ultimately we we learn that they really do love each other and there there definitely is things to fix um the family ties, you know, they always say that blood is thicker than water. But it, it there's just a lot of finding yourself in this book. There's a lot of people having to reinvent themselves and figure out how to solve these problems, even though they're problems they don't want to deal with. Um, because we all have those as adults, right? <laughs> and It's true. It's, it's really a beautiful story. There's definitely a love story in this. Um, and it, it's really great. Most of this book does focus on Genevieve and Jake. Um, but there are very extensive parts with the rest of the siblings, Lucas, Willow, and Brooke. Um, they're, it's just a really beautiful family and even with all the turmoil it's it's a family that I think I would like to be around um especially Jake um he's just a very well put together uh young man and and very ambitious so Emily March is a new to me author but she has quite a few books out um I do not know when or if there will be another lake in the clouds book um it does say book one so i'm assuming there will be at some point but there is nothing about it on goodreads as of yet um but she also has what i believe is called peach tree bluff series oh yeah i've seen those yes and and i just i've seen the series but i never paid attention to the author so that if you have read that series this is by her as well. So this, again, is The Getaway, Lake in the Clouds, book one by Emily March. 
Excellent. I will have to take a look at this. So Shannon is going to like this. I'm pretty sure Shannon will. So my next book is Once Upon a Puppy. <laughs> Pine Hollow. You Pine Hollow book two by Lizzie Shane. And this is why Shannon's going to like it. So opposites attract when a straight-laced lawyer and whimsical party planner have to fake date and co-parent and co-parent a rowdy Irish Irish wolfhound mix named Maximus. So Connor, um, he is a lawyer and he's always got a plan. All T's are crossed, all I's are dotted. But then he decides he's going to like adopt um, Maximus. And he very quickly learns that he's kind of taken on a lot more than he's realized. (laughs) And he doesn't know what to do, but he knows he has to do something because Maximus is going to like kind of destroy his, uh, like destroy his house. And he's really worried about this. Um, And he knows that at the shelter, there was only one person that really kind of was able to connect with Maximus and get him to kind of behave himself. And her name is Deanie. And Deanie is a party planner. So she plans princess parties for children. So that's her, that's her job. And He's very, like, she's, like, the complete opposite of him. Like, she's a very, like, fly by the seat of your pants, um, do things very, like, very suddenly, like, no planning involved. He asks her to come and to walk Maximus and to do some training with him for her. And she's not really sure she wants to do this because Connor is very very much a planner and she's not sure that she really wants to put up with that she feels like it's going to kind of cramp her style but um her sister tells her that she's engaged and her family is very much like type a kind of family um they're very like staunchy very like straight laced family so dini asks connor to come to her sister's engagement party with her because she feels like her family is really going to accept him. And in order to do this, Connor has is going to ask her to help him by being his plus one at his various law firm engagements because Yay. he's trying to impress his bosses in order to get like this promotion that he really, really badly wants. And so they're doing this. And as this is happening, some sparks are beginning to fly. And that, my friends, is where I'm going to leave you. But this was such a cool story. Like, this is number two in the book. So um, number one, I didn't talk about because it's a Christmas story. Um, But one thing I will mention is... Each of the books in this series is connected to that first book where you meet um, a woman who, whose grandparents run a shelter. 
and she ends up taking over the shelter for her grandparents. And then through, she meets all these people in a small town and you get to meet this small town. Um, so the other main character in that book is, um, I'm pretty sure he's the mayor of the town. So you get to meet them as him as well. And like, you'll see each of the different characters that you meet, kind of like all series of um, small towns, you get to meet the, la the last characters in the previous books, you meet them in the new books. And oh, like yeah. the, the connections between the different people in these towns and like um, the love that they have for each other is just so cool. And all of, a lot, all of them, you'll find will connect by a dog of some sort. Um, I will definitely say if you check this book out, you got to check out the next book as well, because it's about this hilarious Australian shepherd. And that's all I'm going to tell you. So this is Once Upon a Puppy, Pine Hollow, book two, and it's by Lizzie Shane. I saw some of these like as they were coming out and I thought they just they looked like they would be so much fun. So my first book is called Good Girl Complex by L. Kennedy, Avalon Bay, book one. And wow, I that title just got me. And I have to say that the latest book in this series is going to come out in May. And I just don't understand why I have to wait for the next one. But alas, that is the problem of every book addict like us, right? So it's Good Girl Complex. Work. Yep. Good Girl Complex is about somebody who does everything right all the time. So what could go wrong, right? So we're, this book is about Mackenzie McCabot, who is a people pleaser. Her demanding parents, her prep school friends, her longtime boyfriend. It's exhausting, really, always following the rules. Unlike most 20-year-olds, all she really wants to do is focus on growing her internet business. But first, she must get a college degree at her parents' assistance. So that means moving to the beachside town of Avalon Bay, a community made up of the locals and the wealthy students of Garnet Community College. And Mac has had really good practice suppressing her wilder impulses. But when she meets local bad boy, Cooper Hardly, that ability is suddenly tested. Cooper is rough around the edges. He's raw. He's candid. And he's a threat to her ordinary existence. But their friendship soon becomes the realest thing in her life. And Cooper, despite his disdain that he sees for the trust fund kids coming and going all of his life from his town soon he sees that mac is not just another rich clone and falls for her heart but as mac finally starts feeling something and accepted by cooper and his local friends the secret he's been keeping threatens the only place she's ever felt at home so this is good girl complex avalon bay book one and i really like it because it's a it's a you know, it's a college town and I kind of, I mean, I, I went to school in a city, but it was the part of the city that was students and locals. So I kind of saw that divide uh, while I was in school, you know, the bubble and then the actual people that ah, lived yes. there. <laughs> so I, I thought that this book really did well at portraying this and also 
you know, just teaching. I, I really like, well, the characters in the town because you want to know what happens to them, right? So they're very interconnected, but also teaching us that not only suffering relative or pain, but pain happens to everybody. And, and things that are hard happen to everybody. And, you know, a lot of us, I mean, there's so many songs, if I were a rich man, you know, and all kinds of songs <laughs> that talk about all the things we would do if we had lots of money, which is great. Like, you know, that's amazing. Dreaming is, is awesome. But I like the fact that this book and this town shows us that we're all human and we all have human experiences. And even though they look different, it doesn't mean that they're any less hard. So my next book is the first in a series that actually Kristen recommended to me last year. And this is the Fix It Witches series by Anna Guerre. Um, the first book is called Witch Please. And I have read the first two in the series, um, which are Witch Please and Boss Witch. I have not read Extra Witchy yet, although I really want to. But I thought that this would be a really great series to talk about because not only is it set in a small town, but it's a small town with magic. And I think magical towns are just like some of the best things in fiction. Yes, they are. So Witch Please is about Danica Waterhouse. And she is co-owner of this shop that repairs technology. But it doesn't, they don't repair it in the way that, you know, traditional people would by, you know, buying parts and things like that. They use magic to repair objects that are broken. And because in this world, magic is a closely guarded secret, there's a whole lot of pretense that goes along with this. And so no one really knows, except for a select group of people, that these fix-it witches are, in fact, actual witches. So Danica is part of this family, the Waterhouse family, and they are led by the grandmother who is very austere, very opinionated, and has these very, very strict ideas about who witches should end up with as life partners. She doesn't want to see her granddaughters end up with mundanes, so people without magic. And she tells them that there's a curse that will befall them if they don't end up marrying another kind of magical person. And for so long, Danica has you know, bought into this. Like she has no reason to doubt it. Um, you know, she sees things in her own family history that sort of back this up. And so she has kind of resigned herself that at some point she's going to fall in love with another magical person. And if they don't fall in love, it doesn't really matter. Like they have to, they'll have to get married. But then she meets Titus, who is a baker and a mundane. And through a series of events that I'm not going to talk about for fear of spoilers, they start spending time together, enjoying each other's company. And slowly Danica realizes that she's in trouble because she's falling for Titus. And what is she going to do? Like her grandmother is going to be super angry. Her magic is at risk. And there is the witch hunter who has come to town 
looking for a certain magical signature that could be Danica's. And this is a huge, huge problem. In this first book, I didn't feel like the town was quite as much a character as it could have been. But in the second book, I felt like I got a much better um, like feel for the town as a whole. So if you read this and you find that like you really love the story and the characters, but you don't feel a connection to the town quite yet, I would urge you to keep reading because in the second book, it does, I think, come to life um, quite a bit more. There are some very complicated family dynamics, both with um, Danica's family and with Titus and his family. Um, the world building here is very, very cool. I love the way magic works in this world. Um, I also think the idea of the witch hunters is kind of interesting because, you know, obviously we know about like Salem witch trials and all that, but I do kind of like um, seeing this sort of incorporated into like an urban fantasy slash paranormal romance um, world. So these first two books that I've read in the series are a ton of fun. I definitely plan to read the third one. And I think the fourth one is coming out later this year. So that is always a good thing. And Anna Aguirre is just a fantastic author in general. I love um, the sci-fi stuff of hers that I've read. And she has just a bunch of other stuff she's written. Um, she's co-written a series with Rachel Kane, which I also enjoyed. Um, but she's just a a very, very talented author. So if you're looking for a fun urban fantasy that's set in a small town, I highly recommend the Fix It Witches series, which starts with Witch Please, and it's by Anna Gire. So my second book slash series for this evening is the Rose Canyon series by Corinne Michaels. This series has three books and the first one is about Brielle and Spencer. Um, but this series follows a group of people that have been friends forever. Um, there is Emmett, Spencer, Holden, and their friend who is is passed on um is mentioned in this book then they have brielle um who is a part of the original group because her brother um was friends with this group of guys emmett holden and, and spencer so this first book is the first book in the series is called help me remember and brielle is when we come into this she is in the hospital and all she knows is that she has lost a significant part of her memory she was in an accident her brother was killed she's the only eyewitness and um but she can't remember what happened and who was involved and the last thing she really remembers is her college boyfriend, which is quite scary because that was several years ago. Um, 
So Spencer Cross is an investigative reporter. Um, and he, he is Brielle's closest friend. Um, he's also very good friends with, was, you know, was good friends with her brother, Isaac, who was killed. Um, but the doctors don't want anybody telling Brielle anything. They don't want them to help jog her memory. They want it to come back on her own. And this is due to the investigation going on into her brother's death because she was the only one there with him when he was killed. Um, and the, the investigators feel that if anyone tells her what happened or anything about her life for the last um, three or four years that she's missing in her memory, that it could tamper with, um, with events in her mind. They may not come back the way they want them to or whatever. It, it's really weird because in my opinion, you know, if somebody's the witness to a case, you want to, you know, maybe do something to jog their memory, to bring it back, not just wait for hoping it comes back. Um, but another part of this is that for the last, I don't know, eight or nine months, her and Spencer were in a relationship together and they hadn't told anyone. They were just enjoying each other and, you know, getting to know each other. And they, they didn't even, they didn't tell their closest friends about this at all. And so, um, not only can she not remember the, the night, anything about the night her brother was killed, but she doesn't remember being in a relationship with Spencer. And when she comes home from the hospital, she's walking around her apartment and she opens a drawer and she finds an engagement ring. And oh. she can't figure out why this engagement ring is here. And she turns to Spencer and she's like, what does this mean? If I was engaged, where's my fiance? Why hasn't he, you know, come to see me or, or anything like this? And, you know, this is breaking Spencer's heart because he's her fiance and she doesn't remember this. Um, and there's just a lot going on and, and it's very frustrating for him. It's very sad for him. It's also very difficult for Brielle. Um, because, you know, she wants answers about her, her brother's uh, murder, but considering, you know, she can't remember anything, nobody's getting these answers, and she has these random bouts of feeling like there's something right at the edge of her mind, but she can't grasp it, and so there's a lot of frustration for her, but all through this, you know, Spencer's sticking by her and supporting her, and she's falling in love with him. Um, you know, she wants him to be more than just her friend, more than her support. And, you know, he's, he's glad that she's, she's loving him and stuff, but he just wants her to remember that she already did and that they were together. Um, there's, 
so much turmoil that goes on within this book and the other two books. Um, there is a um, human trafficking ring that um, is brought to light um, that the this group of friends has to kind of come together to figure out and and flush out um book two is about Emmett and book three is about Holden um and they they all intertwine um to come to a conclusion with this these series of of crimes um Rose Canyon is a very small town and they're not used to having you know, a, an excess of crime, but this, this human trafficking thing has, has really kind of upended Rose Canyon. So while they're trying to figure everything out, they're also trying to keep it quiet. The mayor kind of seems a little sketchy. Um, it, it's just all a little crazy, but the friendships, the romances, the the bonds in these books are absolutely amazing. There is a marriage of convenience in book two. Um, Holden finds out he has a child he never knew about. Um, and it just all comes together. It, it sounds a little crazy, but it all does eventually come together. These puzzle pieces do fit. But this first book was a great introduction to Rose Canyon. Um, I definitely fell in love with the main characters from the get-go. Every single one of them just has an amazing story and just are amazing people. So this is the Rose Canyon series by Corinne Michaels, and the first book is called Help Me Remember. Okay, I have to grab these. So my second book this evening is Heartbones by Colleen Hoover. So life and a dismal last name is all Bea Grimm's parents ever gave her. Um, so Bea is when we be, when like she's just about to like she's just finished high school and she's in it's the summer. So it started the summer. And when we first joined the book, she's returning home from her job at McDonald's and she lives in a trailer with her, um, with her mom and her mom is a drug addict and she's returning home and she gets home and she looks over and her mom's laying on the couch, which is pretty normal. Um, but the problem is her mom's staring at this like picture of mother Teresa on the wall and she's not blinking. And Mm. so Bea's like, she knew this was going to happen someday. She knew that, that at some point her mom was going to kind of do herself in. So she calls, um, she runs over to her, like kind of like the trailer park landlord because um it's a very very poor area and like nobody in the park except for this guy had the phone so she runs over to his house and calls the police to report um her mother's death 
and they come and they take her mom away. And the guy, he like immediately tells her like, you guys are behind on your rent. And she's like, I don't understand. Like my, my dad, he sends money to pay for our trailer. And he's like, well, your mom hasn't given me anything in like in three months. And she's like, well, I'm going to be going away to university in two months. Like, can I, can you give me some time and I'll make the money up? And he's like, no, that, that'll be five months without rent. And like, that's not cool. So he tells her like, get out of here. So she has nowhere to go. And so she calls up her father, her estranged father. And she tells, she asks him like, if she can come and stay with him for like a couple weeks. So at the time, like when she first calls him, she tells him like, I don't know how long I'm going to come, maybe for a couple weeks, maybe for the summer, but like, I need a break. I need to get away from here. So she flies to Texas where he's living. And when he meets her at the airport, he asks her like, where's your luggage? And she lies to him and tells him that, oh, um, it's like, let's go get it. And then it doesn't show up. And she tells them that, oh, they must have lost it. But you find out very quickly that she had no, like she has no luggage. So they go to his home and he lives on, on a, like on a peninsula um, in Texas. And she's pretty amazed because like when the last time she saw her father was a long time ago and he was just living in this like one bedroom apartment. But now he's living, like, he's got, um, she finds out that he's married because she forgot that he had sent her an invitation. So he's married and he has a stepdaughter. And so he's very, she's very quickly thrown into this new life of, like, kind of richness. Um, There's a family who they all kind of, they really spend a lot of time together and they really want to get to know her. And she's not telling, like, she hasn't told her father yet. She doesn't tell him for a while that her fa- that her mother has died. So as far as he knows, she's just there for a vacation. And she's also not told him that she's going away to university. Like, she does, he doesn't know this. So she's kind of trying to figure things out. And she's thrown into this whole new world of like, she's actually got food, which I thought was really sad. Like I was so sad, like this book all through it, there's so many sad, sad spots. And so she's learning to kind of, she's learning more about her family. She's learning about her father. She's learning about his, his new wife and his stepdaughter. And at first she's thinking, oh, this is going to be like a, since she, like actually says like this is going to be like a Cinderella step stepsister situation but she quickly learns that Sarah her stepsister like literally wants to really get to know her that she wants to be sisters because Sarah's lonely and Sarah needs a friend um we get to meet Sarah's um boyfriend and Sarah's boyfriend has a friend named Samson and Samson and Bea, they hit it, they hit it off. Um, they met earlier on her when she was traveling to the peninsula. Um, but when they start hanging out together, 
um, at the, this like resort town where her stepmom owns this house, they quickly begin to feel a connection. And there's this whole, like on the outside, you would think there's no real relation to them. Like she's this poor girl um, who has no future. And he's like this rich kid who's got like everything, the, the world's his oyster. But there's this whole connection of they both love sad things like the sad things really attract them so they kind of really get attracted to each other and as you learn more about them you realize that like there's a lot like Bea has really really she's kind of climbed her way out of where her family had like where her mother had had put her and she's got a future coming ahead which I'm not going to tell you about and then you learn more about Samson and you realize that he isn't quite what he's trying to make people think. So this book is a lot about trust and following your heart. And it's, um, it's about like, the, it's kind of coming of age because it's these young people who are in the, the in-between stage of high school, the university. And they're living in this resort town. So you're seeing all these like luxury and all this like fun stuff like that. So this is Heartbones and it's by Colleen Hoover. The only other Colleen Hoover book that I, or the only Colleen Hoover book I've read is Verity. So the next series I'm going to talk about is by an author who is just like the queen of writing small towns. All of her books are featured in one town or another, but these are kind of her most recent and the ones that have really touched me the most. I feel that her writing has just, it's always been great, but it's, it's gone to another level with these books. And this is The Family You Make, the Sunrise Cove series, book one by Jill Shalvis. And so what would you do if you're on a ski lift and, and it stops all of a sudden and you think it's going to fall <laughs> and you're going to die? Aww. And so what do you do? Aww. Well, maybe you call your parents and try to prepare them for the worst. And But what happens if you can't, if you don't have the guts to tell them what's really going to happen to you and instead you try to fulfill their lifelong wish and impulsively sell your mother that you have a girlfriend and you're happily settled right before your phone dies and the ski lift plummets. This is oh. what Levi did. Uh, this is what Levi Cutler did when he was stranded in the middle of a snowstorm with a beautiful stranger named Jane. He told his mother when he was calling her to prepare her for the worst that Jane was his girlfriend, that he was settled and he was happy. But this isn't true, obviously. But now that Levi and Jane didn't actually die like they were so certain they would, Levi's family is so desperate to meet the one, even though Jane is not actually his girlfriend. And whatever, she agrees to do him this one favor, although it's nerve wracking. But she'll, she says she'll do it for one dinner. However, after a traumatic childhood, Jane isn't sure she knows how to be around a tight-knit family that actually cherishes and loves one another. She's terrified and sadly a little jealous. But an unexpected series of 
event and a host of new friends soon show Jane that perhaps this is a life she was always meant to have. And soon pretend feelings between Jane and Levi turn into real ones. Now, all Jane has to do is admit to herself that she can't live without the man she's fallen in love with and the family she's always dreamed of. So this is The Family You Make by Jill Shalvis, Sunrise Cove, book one. And I got to say, that's what I love about these small town novels. A lot of them is the, the, what is the word? The emphasis on how family is what you make. And it doesn't have to be blood and it doesn't have to be what's not good for you. And, you know, it just gives you hope that there are actually people that are like-minded and are waiting to love you and to be loved by you. And they're not actually blood. And it can be amazing. I love, love found family. And small town novels really kind of like yes. bring that home to me, right? It's, and I think it's excellent. so well done in this series. It is so excellent. I am very excited to talk about my last book tonight because I don't think I've ever gotten to talk about this author on the podcast. Stacy has, Sarah has, Kristen has. And now it's my turn. So I am going to tell you about things we never got over. Knock them out, book one by the incomparable Lucy Score. The second book in this series um, is The Things We Hide from the Light. And that came out in February. And then the third book is coming in June or July, I think. So it is definitely a great year for Lucy Score. So this is set in a very, very small town called Knockamout. And it is a town, it kind of reminded me in some like small ways of Bootleg Springs, which is the town that she created with Claire Kingsley, just in kind of the ways in which the characters and interacted um that kind of vibe where like everybody knows everybody the good the bad the ugly um i think bootleg springs has some extra like quirkiness that i didn't quite see here but it's still just a very very lovely town i think lucy score writes small towns better than like a lot of authors that i've read so naomi is a runaway bride she just like left her wedding before it could take place. She knew it was a bad idea. She knew she needed to get out. And then her twin sister called her and begged her for help. And so Naomi left. Now, she has a very complicated relationship with her twin sister. Tina has always been sort of the, the troubled one. And Naomi has spent her life trying to do what was expected of her, trying to like clean up her sister's messes, and basically, like if at all possible, apologize for all the things that her sister you know, has, has done wrong or messed up. And this is just a pattern in her life. So she gets to town and she doesn't quite know what to do. Like she stops and she's going to get some coffee and her car is stolen. Can we guess who stole it? Maybe her sister. Yeah, it's likely. So she is just like stranded in this town. She's still wearing her wedding dress and 
she's learning that the people in this town are not fond of her sister. Like they're identical twins. So people think she is Tina and people are like telling her, you know, you're not supposed to be in here. Like, what are you doing? You know, like we, we don't want you here basically. Like all you've done is cause trouble. And Naomi knows that like, she's never been here. So she's not the one who has caused trouble. She also learns that she has a niece. Tina has an 11 year old daughter and Tina has just like taken off leaving Naomi to care for her daughter in her absence and this is just complicated and messy in so many ways because Naomi you know never really like planned to be a parent at this point in her life and how do you parent an 11 year old who has grown up in in chaos now we also meet Knox and Knox is this kind of broody, like loner of a guy. I have to be honest, I did not like him at first. Um, I really struggled with some of the ways that he behaved. I felt like, you know, he he didn't treat people very well and then didn't understand like why they didn't like it. And that's just like a romance trope that I, I have a hard time with. Um, but as the story went on, Knox did change and grow and I did come to like him quite a lot as a hero. Um, he also has some kind of complicated stuff going on in his family. Um, he and his brother are in this kind of longstanding feud. Um, and he just really has no use for Naomi. At least that's what he tries to tell himself. But the more he keeps getting drawn in to all this drama surrounding her and her sister and her niece, the more he starts to realize that maybe living his life alone is not really what he wants after all. Um, I loved the supporting characters here. I'm super excited to read the next two books in this series because the couples that are featured there um, are people that you get to know in this book. And so I want to see how things turn out for them. Um, I'm also interested in just kind of seeing, like, it seems like there's a lot of crime going on in this small town that people aren't really sure who is responsible for it. And because romantic suspense is a thing that I love, I do want to know who is behind it all. So this is Things We Never Got Over, Knock Em Out, book one by Lucy Score. And as is always the case with Lucy Score's books, even if like the hero isn't your favorite or the heroine isn't your favorite, her books just draw you in from the very beginning. And once I start reading, there's just no stopping it. So definitely pick this up if you haven't already. I really like this book. Yes. Good old Knock Em Out. Yes. So my third book this evening is um, book one in the Tattered and Torn series by Catherine Cowles. And book one is called Tattered Stars. This series follows quite a few people, but mainly focuses on two families. These two families are quite interestingly intertwined. So this first book is about Everly and Hayes. Hayes is 
uh, Hayes Easton. He is now the sheriff of their little town. And Everly is the daughter of a man that is um, that has been in prison for a while now for kidnapping. And um, her father was uh, quite the extremist. He was one of these people that preferred to live off the land. He didn't trust the government. He didn't trust doctors. Um, he raised his children to be, um, you know, ready for anything and everything and just, you know, never depend on anyone but yourselves and just all this crazy stuff. Um, he was very radical in his beliefs that there's always someone out to get you. They're always after you. Um, and he kidnapped a young girl and had her held in a shed on his property for quite a while. And Everly was a very young girl at this point. And she knew the girl was there and she knew what her dad was doing was wrong. Um, and so one night she waited for him to go to sleep. And then she snuck out of the house and got on her horse and rode into town to the sheriff's office and told them, you know, I know where this missing girl is and she's on our property and my dad took her and they went and got her. However, um, this kind of ruined her life in this family they did not appreciate um at least her her father and her brother did not appreciate her uh essentially ratting them out and she goes she leaves her hometown and goes to live with her older sister who lives in another state um but now she has grown up and she has decided that since her mother has now passed away and um, her, uh, her family's land has been left to her, that she is going to attempt to come back to her small town and turn this homestead into something that can be good. Um, hopefully to get rid of the bad memories that were there, but she doesn't think she's going to be all that welcome in her hometown, especially because Hayes Easton is now the sheriff. It was his sister that was taken when she was a child, and there's a lot of animosity against her family, um, which some of them still live in this town um but everly wants to turn her homestead into an animal sanctuary and even if she can't get the townsfolk to help her or anyone to like her she's bound and determined to turn this land into something good um what she does not count on um is hayes easton coming to 
introduce himself because he has heard that someone has moved in on this land and he as sheriff thinks that you know he should come and introduce himself and welcome this person into town but he doesn't expect it to be Everly and so when he gets there and realizes who she is he kind of turns into quite the jerk and um you know doesn't make the greatest first impression um but Everly's bound and determined and you know she's going to make it in this town no matter what and Mr. Sheriff Easton is just going to have to get over himself um but there's a lot that they don't know about each other and something Hayes has to learn is that the sins of the father are not the sins of the daughter um and he you know, has to remember that she's the one that ultimately saved his little sister. Um, it just takes him a while to come to terms with it because his little sister's kidnapping really did a doozy on his own family and, um, you know, turned them into not so much, you know, it didn't really tear them apart so much as it caused them to live their lives so differently and so protected that they never really got over what happened and they've held on to it for so long that there's just a lot of feelings there that haven't been worked through but this this story does have a happy ending I will say that and the rest of this book the books in the series follow this family as well as others in this small town and each story definitely opens more um more details into the past and you see a lot of people coming to terms with different feelings about what happened um different family members especially the eastern family um children having to come to terms and work through emotions that they've kind of pushed down over the years and it's just it's an emotional ride um there is definitely romance in each book um there's a lot of coming to terms with what was and what is now and each story is definitely um, eye-opening. It's definitely heartfelt, full of emotion and feeling. And I really thoroughly enjoyed this whole series. So this, again, is book one in the Tattered and Torn series. It is called Tattered Stars, and it is by Katherine Cowles. It sounds really good. It is a very, very good series. So my last book this evening is Tin God, Delta Crossroads Trilogy, book one by Stacey Green. So our main character's name is Jamie, and Jamie had a daughter when she was 17, um, and she was coerced into giving her up for adoption. 
her friend, um, her friend's name is Lana. She tried to help her get her back and figure out like how to get her back. But then her, her friend was killed. And like her death was kind of ruled, like never, never solved. It was never solved. So now we fast forward four years and this is when we join Jamie. Um, and Jamie is working for a woman at an really, really neat old um, like plantation home. And this woman, her name is Becca and she um, is helping Jamie look into the adoption of her, of her daughter because Becca like has the, like has um, legal backing and is able to do this. Um, her husband is a lawyer and he's, um, he's kind of sketchy. Um, you'll get to meet him and he's kind of connected into this whole story as you learn. But very quickly in the story, Becca is murdered. And this like totally is just horrible for Jamie because the, the manner of her death is very similar to how her friend Lana was killed. Another character in this book is named um, Nick. And Nick was the husband of Lana. And he receives a note of six, six words and it says, I just killed your wife again. So he gets this note and he's a reporter and this like, he's just been really kind of treading water since the death of Lana. He's really struggling. Um, he's working his ass off because he just, there's nothing better to do because he has no life. And he feels a lot of guilt surrounding Lana's death because he feels like he really wasn't a great husband. Um, they were having a rough time in their marriage because he was working really, really hard. And he felt that if he got to this one spot in his work, then he could kind of focus more on his family. But as you know, Lana got killed. So he's feeling a lot of guilt and he gets this note and he decides he's going to go back to Rosalie. Rosalie, I think, I don't, it's R-O-S. E-L-E-A um, and it's Mississippi and he's going to invest try, like try investigate and try to figure out like what is this all about because he's also now learned about the death of Becca and so he travels back um, and it was really interesting to see that he still has this great relationship with Lana's family um, and Jamie also has this wonderful relationship with Lana's family. She's really good friends um, with Lana's brother, Cage. Um, and Cage is kind of like, they're kind of like um, friends with benefits, really. Um, Cage would like to be more, but Jamie just doesn't feel it. So they're kind of doing their thing and then Nick comes to town and he starts talking to Jamie and Jamie tells her, like tells him what she knows. And like, as they start talking to each other, 
he realizes that he didn't actually realize that Jamie's daughter, the adoption is probably related to why his wife died. And as they begin investigating, you start to realize there's a lot of corruption in this small town. And it was really horribly sad to see the way that she, um, Jamie was treated by people. Like she was ostracized because there's some very powerful people in this town that are related to this illegal adoption of her daughter. And also um, there's these very powerful people that are involved in like, kind of in the ostracizing of her when she got pregnant at a really young age. Like she was kind of blamed for it when the person that was involved should have known better. It was, I really, really love Stacey Green's books. Um, I love her Nikki Hunt series. Just recently, um, she started releasing here, um, here in North America, she started releasing her, um, I think it's Kendall, is it Lizzie Kendall? Lucy Kendall? Oh, I think it's yeah, Kendall. I've seen Lucy Kendall, I think. Yeah, I think she's just started releasing them in the US. Um, so here in Canada, we have them available too. So I've read first the first book in that series as well, and it was really good. So like so far, everything I've read, I will honestly say it's great. Um, I just started the second book in this trilogy, and in that in this second book, you start seeing even more of the town. So you're also going to also get to see another plantation home, and you'll see a lot of the kind of historical background within this town. And then also you'll see a lot of corruption again within the town. And then the second book is where you're gonna learn a lot more about Cage. So this is Tin God and it's Delta Crossroads Trilogy book one and it's by Stacey Green. She's been on my TBR for quite a while and I well, think this it needs series to go to the top. is where I'll start. So my last series is by a beloved author that we all know and love on the podcast. We have interviewed her. Yay! And I don't know if she's written a book I didn't actually love. But I especially love this particular series because while she has other series where the characters interconnect, they don't interconnect quite as much as in this series. And this is Blue Heron by Kristen Higgins. The first book is called... The Best Man, book Her Blue Heron, book one, by Kristen Higgins. This is about Faith Holland, who left her hometown after being jilted at the altar. You know, it's funny. I read so many books about this that when I got married, I actually asked the the venue where I got married, the, the event coordinators, if this really happened, where people do get <laughs> jilted at, at the altar. Oh, my gosh. And it doesn't happen quite as much as we read about but it's definitely fun to read well, about for some probably horrible good. reason yeah they said it only happened like three times because actually you know yeah people paid for the whole wedding and then didn't actually show up for it well but in our series sometimes the best man is the one you least expect so faith is back home 
after being jilted at the altar, she's older, she's wiser, she's ready to return to the Blue Heron Winery, which is her family's vineyard. And she wants to confront the ghosts of her past and maybe enjoy a glass of red. Because after all, there's some great scenery there, right? And speaking of old scenery, we've got Levi Cooper, who is now the local police chief and the best friend of her former fiance. There's a lot about Levi that Faith never noticed. And it's not just those deep green eyes. The only catch is that she's having a hard time forgetting that he was the one who really helped ruin her wedding all those years ago. If she can find a minute to, you know, forget all her family drama and stop and smell the rosé, she might just find a reason to stay in Blue Heron and walk down the aisle. So this is The Best Man, Blue Heron, book one. And it, as you probably guessed, surrounds the Holland family. And wow, uh, I really loved this series. I read it when only one book was out. So I'm very jealous that if you're interested, you'll be able to read them all, one after the other. After there's like four or other. five of these now, right? I believe so, and they are each one is better than the last. Um, my favorite will always be the second one, uh, the story about Faith's sister. But I just really enjoy. <laughs> I, I've always enjoyed the way you know Kristen Higgins does her dialogue between family and then the inner monologue. She's like the queen of the inner monologue saying yes. one thing and the outer dialogue saying another, which can get very frustrating because I'm like, oh my God, when is she just going to tell them all to shut up or to leave her alone <laughs> or whatever? Um, but, you know, sometimes that's how it is. Families are really bad at communicating with each other. If we were better at it, we'd probably have an easier world. And I feel like Kristen Higgins, especially in this series, is really good at showing us this plus we've got you know the vineyard that employs a lot of the town and so because of that we interact with a lot of characters and 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 i love that like the local town bar the town hotel the town restaurant and all these people that Uh, you want to know their story and you want to know where they came from and there's also you know blood family but there's found family and there's healing uh, and and healing is important. Spiritual healing with your family, when possible, if possible, um, is special. And and we see a lot of that in that series. So if you want a feel good, heartwarming, uh, you know, realistic uh, about family, both uh, blood and found, and a small town, and you like wine stuff, you want to read Blue Heron by yes. Kristen Higgins. So wake up and smell the rose. Awesome. Go buy this book. I like that. So this concludes our episode on books set in small towns. Thanks go out, as always, to all of my participants, Brooke, Kristen, and Natalia tonight. Of course, I have to thank Christine for all of her fantastic editing. And as I always say, we wouldn't have a podcast if no one listened to it. So thank you so much to all of you who join us each week as we talk about great books.
If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.